0: Father, we thank you, thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. And uh, regardless of what some would say, Lord, your perfect truth from above, unchanged, it never has been, it never will be. Lord, it's yours. And so we ask that you give us an understanding heart and mind, Lord, a willing heart and mind. Today, we will be challenged in ways that maybe we never have. And so, Lord, the call to take you a little more serious would fall upon uh, ready souls. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. All righty. So uh, what we're looking at today is something a little bit different. Uh, when you look at the text compared to the last couple of weekends we've been together, it's a little bit more serious, okay? Now, I don't mean in any way that you have to become a serious person in life. In fact, I would beg and pray that you don't become this crazy Just old, bitter, frustrated person men love life. Go crazy. Enjoy life. I don't know what you guys like, but I plan on enjoying my life. I believe with my whole heart. And in the gospel, record Jesus and the disciples walking from one town to another over and over and over again. I don't know how many miles they must have traveled together, but I guarantee you they were pulling jokes and telling jokes. I guarantee they were picking up stones and putting them in Peter's backpack as he was walking to make it heavy or pushing people in the water or pulling on the fishing line to so they think they got some big fish. I, I guarantee you. They were joking around. They were enjoying their life. They loved what they did, but they also took Jesus seriously. When we look at the other stories so far, right, in the wilderness with Satan, it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Or meeting Jesus in the crowd with the 5,000, the miracles, like, wow, this is powerful. But today there's a call to just, man, really evaluate where are you and God? Where are you and Jesus? Is it something that's kind of convenient or you just kind of go with the flow as long as you need to? Or is this something that you have seriously taken ownership of that no matter what anyone else ever does from this point forward, you're following Jesus? These three guys, as they're traveling, again, just like normal, the disciples and Jesus are walking from one town to another, probably a nice dirt road. The sun's maybe midair, just had lunch, who knows? But they're going along and there's three guys who all voluntarily be like, man, Lord, I will follow you. I'm all in but they didn't really understand what that meant. And so Jesus, instead of just taking them, uh, asked them some questions. So the first thing about following Jesus is it may not always be comfortable, okay? Does that make sense? Everyone say comfortable. comfortable. Everyone say uncomfortable, uncomfortable. right? How, how many of you guys like to sleep? You're like just professional sleepers, all right? There's always a bunch out there like, ah, I'm so good at it. You know that it takes you a minute to toss and turn and move your head and fluff your pillow and flip it over so the cold side hits you, right? Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. But it, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I got my spot, and you're out. Or I remember growing up, it'd be freezing cold at my grandma's house, but she had a, an electric blanket. And if you've never experienced an electric blanket during the winter, it's amazing. You feel like you're going to get electrocuted, but here's the deal, okay? It's got these wires running all through it, and you literally put the blanket and plug it into the wall, and you turn the dial up as high as you want, and all of a sudden, it starts warming up, and you're like, whoa, this is, oh. God, it's, it's awesome, totally comfortable. Is following Jesus always going to be comfortable? The answer's no. Will there be moments of comfort? Oh, absolutely. It's not like you have to live your life on a bed of nails, but come on. Following Jesus won't always be comfortable. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. All right, we're going to read these two verses. This is the first guy, and he voluntarily kind of shouts out, I'll follow you wherever you go. Starting in verse 57. Now, it happened as they journeyed, Jesus and the disciples, As they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Does this sound like a great statement? Someone saying, I I will follow you anywhere. Is that a good thing to say? Totally. It really, really is. If you really, really mean it. Sometimes people say stuff without thinking about it. Have you ever promised something, only realize, like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I don't know if I can actually follow through with that. We do it all the time. And so this commitment to Jesus cannot be some uh, random or happenstance kind of a thing. It's to be taken serious, that when we give our lives to the Lord, we know what we're doing and we do it on purpose. So he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And look at verse 58. Jesus has a question for him or a statement. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere lay his head. What are you talking about? Foxes and birds and what are you, what? What he's saying is foxes tonight at the end of the day when the sun goes down, they have some place to go. They're going to crawl into that little hole and into their den with their family and warm up and birds are going to fly back to the nest with the babies and they're going to cuddle and warm up. But tonight Jesus says, look, I'm probably laying my head on a rock under a tree somewhere. It's not going to be a luxurious hotel. There's nowhere to go. That following me won't always be comfortable. Now, will there be seasons of comfort? Of course there is. Jesus didn't live every night of his life out under a tree with his head on a rock. But there were moments in which he was not well taken care of. That in fact, the pleasures of the world and the comforts of life are not a promise when you follow Christ. You go through seasons of up and down. The Apostles Paul said, Man, I learned how to have more than I needed, and I learned how to suffer need and be poor. He was both in his lifetime. Most people will experience high highs and low lows of all kinds. And Jesus is telling them, Look, it, following me may not always be comfortable. The guy, if you read Matthew chapter 8, if you like to study the Bible a little bit more, Matthew chapter 8 records the same story with a couple extra details, but it says, This guy, By profession, they was saying, well, I'm going to follow you anywhere you go. He was a scribe. Now, most people don't know what a scribe was. We don't call people scribes today. But this guy's sole job, his life commitment, was to not just know the Bible, but to know its details. He would comb through the Old Testament and know every tiny little piece, and then they would oftentimes make up the rules. So not just knowing the Bible, but then helping other people live by the Bible. He knew what God's Word was says. The problem is he knew the rules, okay, but not the reality. Lord, I I know the Bible. He's a scribe. He's God. He even is in charge of making up rules on how to follow the Bible. He understood the rules, but not the reality, that sometimes this will be a little bit uncomfortable. Now, Matthew chapter 13, pretty cool chapter. Uh, Have you guys ever heard of Matthew chapter 13? talks about all these plants that spring up. Matthew chapter 13 gives four different soils. Uh, One of them is a hard heart, it says. The other two appear to be really good because uh, whatever would grow in them grows so fast. But the problem is, there's no depth. It was a moment of excitement. But it wasn't a life change. And the example given by talking about the plants that grow quickly is a faith that just sits and hears something one time and without really thinking about the rest of their life, make a momentary, like, oh yeah, I'm in, I guess. Not, I'm in for sure. And so this guy, he knew the rules, but not the reality. He had this excitement that sprang up quickly, but was easily choked out by the cares and concerns of the world, or by the persecutions, was put down. It's a funny story. Jesus gets on a boat, and imagine, look, if Jesus walked in today, God himself, the one who died for you and is like, hey, look at uh, I'm gonna be going on a journey. You wanna come with me? He's like, yeah. We're gonna get on a boat and sail across the oh, the sea. Like, I'm in. I didn't wanna go on a sailboat my whole life. Let's do this. And you get on the boat and you start going across and he's like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'm going to take a nap, guys. So he goes down on the boat, and he, you know, fluffs up the grains of rice or whatever he's got down there, and he lays down, and he falls asleep, and then a storm comes. So crazy, it starts ripping the boat into pieces, and they all think they're going to die, and they're throwing stuff overboard and scooping out water, and they come down, and what's Jesus doing? Sleeping. God's never been worried a day in his life, and so he comes down, and he's like, Jesus, get up, and they start telling him, don't you care? We're about to die, And as simply as you could possibly imagine, he just walks up, looks around, and says, peace, be still. And immediately the storm is calmed. Immediately the situation is dealt with. Was it comfortable in the moment? Absolutely not. Whether there's chaos in the boat or out of the boat, he will let you know for sure he's with you and he's got you all the way to the end. Okay? No matter what's going on in the boat or out of the boat, God's got you all the way through. And let's be honest. Life's going to be comfortable and uncomfortable with or without Him. So why don't we do it with Him and let Him lead us and guide us and take care of the bigger things that creep in and destroy. Luke chapter 14. You guys want a memory verse? This is one to hang on to. Short, but to the point. It says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's not comfortable to carry a cross up a hill. It's not comfortable to be guilty of something. It's not comfortable to have to put aside things that you don't want to put aside. It's not comfortable to be seen as something that you're not. Jesus carried a cross up a hill for something he did not do. Jesus carried the cross up the hill. Didn't he claim to be king of the Jews? Yeah, he did. But he died for things he didn't do. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died in our place. Willing to be guilty for following Jesus, would you do that? If people were going to kill you for following Jesus, would you say, yep, guilty, as charged, and carry your cross? To be uncomfortable, and it's not as dramatic as that in any way at all, but you've heard at school, you've heard at the park, you've heard at the restaurant, when people are maybe saying something mean or derogatory or just rude about the Lord or Christians or the Bible or faith. What do you do with it in that moment? you give up or do you bear your cross? When the Holy Spirit prompts you to share and to talk to somebody, do you do it? Do you carry your cross and crucify the fear? When sin's more popular than holiness, do you go with the crowd? Or do you crucify it? Matthew chapter 5, it's pretty awesome, let read this to you, it won't be on the screen, it says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know what's wild, guys? Think about this: who are people in the Bible that would do crazy things because of what they believed? Yep, Elijah, definitely hunted down by some crazy lady. Okay, Daniel, thrown into a lion's den. Who else? Paul, for sure, beat up, scourged. They stoned him, threw so many rocks on him, they thought he was dead. He wasn't dead or came back one way or the other. Who else? David, David, right? And Goliath. I mean, goodness gracious. Moses. Moses. Yeah, that's actually good. Hunted down by Pharaoh, responsible for all those people. Joseph, big time Joseph. So look, you think about Joseph, you think about David and Daniel, you think about all of these guys. When you and I take our turn in life, and people mock or make fun of or make life difficult because of your faith in God, the Lord says, "Look, it. I put your name on the same list as theirs. They did it to the prophets that came before you. They did it to the people of faith before you. And when so, you, when you are in the midst, and you stand and you fight that Goliath in a sense, look, don't go punch the biggest guy at school tomorrow, okay? But when you stand up against your own Goliath, or you get in your own, end up in your own lion's dens, or you find yourself in a in a faith situation and stand your ground even though it's not comfortable god says look at i'm putting you on the list of jeremiah and david and daniel and paul you're following me you're standing for me it's incredible it's mind-boggling jesus let him know how it would be praise the lord i would want to know jesus is not tricking anyone into the kingdom Could you imagine? God knows everything. You're like, I'll follow you. And he knows that you don't understand. He knows that you're going to give up. He knows you're going to fail. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Let's just trick him and let him think it's easy. And then he'll be totally broken and burned out in the middle of it all. Oh my gosh. Not at all. He wants you to know, but to take it seriously. Now, take it seriously sounds so big. Oh, I don't want to take it seriously. No, trust me. You love this about the Lord. I love this about the Lord. You guys ever been playing kickball or soccer or something, and you end up on the team with everyone that doesn't really want to play? Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. You're like, look, I don't mind losing as long as we tried hard. I'm okay with that. But just people that don't want to be there, so they don't even try, and it's like, whatever, doesn't matter anyway. I hate this game. Like, dang. God's not saying like, oh yeah, just be a Christian and just you know whatever doesn't matter as long as you just kind of sort of believe in Jesus and kind of sort of go to church and kind of sort of think you know where your Bible is somewhere at home maybe my mom's car I'm not sure. No, God calls us to this something that's real and that matters and to be part of something that's eternal, a kingdom that never ends. So this call is it uncomfortable sometimes? Yeah, but it is eternal and it is unending and it is amazing. Totally worth it. But Jesus cautions against these kind of roadside pledges. Oh, I'll go with you anywhere you go. Okay. Tonight we're not going to the Hilton or the Marriott. We're not gonna be in some fancy hotel. We're gonna sleep with our head on a rock. You wanna come? Like, oh, well, I, I don't know about that. What come after this? Okay, Luke chapter 9, verse 60. It's not always comfortable, it's not always convenient. So tell someone around you, say, it's not always convenient. All right. It's it's just not. Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and 60. Then Jesus said to another, you follow me. Interesting. One guy volunteered, the other one's being asked. Jesus asks him, he says, look it, follow me. But this guy's got an excuse, he's got a reason. He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then all the girls would be like, Oh, his daddy died. I got sad. Like, no, hold on a second. Look at Jesus' response. Look at Jesus' response. This sounds so harsh at first, but let me give you some insight here. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. Like, well, that sounds harsh. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Like, hold on a second. I just told you, imagine you come coming here like Pastor David. Like, well, hey, come on with us on a mission trip. We're going to be going down the street to to homeless people. Like, uh, you know what? My dad died yesterday. Like, oh, forget about it, man. He's already dead. Just leave it. You just you start crying and go home. Nor would I ever say that. And if I wouldn't say that, that's not what's happening here, okay? What is being communicated? He says, uh, look, I'd love to go, but... I need to go bury my father first. And Jesus says this thing that sounds offensive to us in Southern California in 2018, but it really, really wasn't. The guy totally understood that he was kind of being called out. His heart was being called into question. This guy was a disciple, not one of the 12, but he was a learner of the things that Jesus taught. He was familiar with the Lord, knew of his ways. And so along the way, it's again, it's in Matthew 8. If you guys want to read it and check it out, this guy was considered a disciple, a learner, someone who was committed to learning what Jesus was saying, but... Again, unfamiliar with his ways. So he says this phrase, I need to go bury my dad. And Jesus says, you know what? Why don't you let the dead bury their own dead? Like, Oh my goodness, what's going on here? What does that saying mean? Well, there's two options. Both of them kind of deal with the same thing. Uh, But we love convenience. Yeah, We love convenience. How many of your moms do your laundry? Let's be honest. Uh What's wrong with this? I'd be like, yeah, that's right. My mom does my laundry. Like, How many of your parents, uh, they pay for your food? Okay, all of our hands should be going up. Uh, How many of your parents didn't make you pay for gas to get here today? Right, we love convenience. You get in the car and it just goes. You just got like a, look, I know you're like, my mom, No, you got like your own limo driver, okay? She's amazing. Your dad's amazing. It's convenient. You just walk outside. They throw you in the car and they take you places. You just show up and boom, they feed you. You just wake up and boom, there's clothes. Like they're there all the time. You flip a switch, light comes on. You turn on a faucet, water comes out. We love convenience. We love it. I don't know if you guys ever go backpacking and hiking. I love the mountains, but so I can't go out there. There's no bathrooms. Like, oh, get over it. We love the convenience. Don't you feel that there's chairs here? Oh, yeah. You have to bring it? What's the reality? What's the the point? The issue isn't compassion. The issue isn't the guy's dad died. The issue is this guy was saying, like, well, you know what? I have some other things I feel like I should do first before I follow you. The first one deals with Jewish burial customs. Could be this. Uh, Could be the second one. I'll tell you in a second. But the first option is, look, back then when someone would die, okay, let's say your dad did pass away. Then there would be seven days of mourning. The family would be grieving and mourning. And then from that point forward, there'd be like 30 more days for this similar kind of thing with family and friends and neighbors. Uh, but they would take the body, and instead of immediately burying it in the ground like we do, they'd put it in this big stone box called a bone box. And then they'd come back a year later after the body had decomposed and done what the body does, right? Ash to ash and dust to dust. Then they'd open it up. They'd take out the bones and the remains, and then they would bury that. And so this guy is saying, one thing he may be alluding to is like, look at my dad had died six months ago, my dad had died eight months ago, and in a few more months, we need to have this like official ceremony, he's tied to what everyone else wants him to do. He's tied to cultural norms, he's tied to what everyone else thinks he should apply himself to. It's not convenient yet. I have some things that people think I should do. I have some things that I think I should do. Then I'll go with you once this is over. The other thing it could mean, I've heard this taught also, and uh, but he wants his inheritance. It's like, hey, you know what, Jesus? My dad's getting old. He's up there. He's kind of crazy, walks with a limp. I'm sure he's not going to be around that much longer. And when he dies, I get a ton of his money. And so why don't you come back in like a year, year and a half. And once I get my inheritance and it's, everything's smooth sailing, well, then I'm in. I'll follow you when I have my money. I'll follow you when everything makes sense. What's well, life is in order? When it's convenient. Which one is it? We don't know. Both of them are the same issue, really. Whether you think that you have to achieve some certain level of something or you're tied to certain things and God says, "Nope, follow me. Or you think I have to have enough money or success or finish a certain amount of whatever it is. And Lord says, no, we're going somewhere else. The Lord throws curveballs for sure. Not every day. Imagine every day God's just pulling the rug out from under you. Go, what happened today? Not at all. But you could wake up one day and find out God wants to send you to Africa or he wants to send you to South America or he wants to send you to China or Japan or he wants to send you to the Philippines or he wants to send you next door. God's doing stuff. You guys ever been asked to do something right in the middle of things you feel are very important and be very inconvenient to do it? like your favorite TV shows on. I mean, super important stuff. Playing your Xbox, middle of a phone call or texting, and your parents are like, hey, can you take out the trash? are like, oh, can I wait for the commercial? You guys, we all, right? I've heard that one. We all throw that out there. Oh, can I finish this level or the next one or whatever? So right in the middle of being asked to do, or being asked to do something super con- inconvenient, you never immediately want to go, but you ought to be willing. Sometimes God doesn't say, hey, come on, let's, let's do this with your life. And you're like, what? but I haven't finished these other things. Go with them all the time. Good. What well, was teaching you to walk by faith? Just obey. He challenged them in not wanting or waiting for a convenient time. We're all familiar. Even last night, we were getting ready. We we're outside. Uh, we we're playing some games. And then all of a sudden, my wife comes out. She goes, like, oh, hey, dinner's ready. We're like, okay, five more minutes. <laughs> oh, And she comes out, it's getting cold. Right? Don't let God's call grow cold. It happens, right? When it comes to God's call in your guys' life, don't let it grow cold. The odds are at 13, you're not going to be sent to China to start you know, an underground church, and you're not going to be sent to Africa to build an orphanage. You're not, I, I get that. But God's going to call you now if you're willing to listen, to take steps of faith that will require as much faith as it would to move to Africa, to start something new at your school, to start a conversation with a friend. Don't let God's call grow cold. Not at all. The time is now. The day is today. It's not convenient, right? It's not convenient. It's just not. Not always. Here's the deal. Jesus will surprise you, but that should not surprise you. It's like when the Lord throws look, in baseball, you're sitting there and some guy throws a curveball. Like, you're not like, whoa, I've never seen one of those before. That, that's a pitch he has. He's used to it. In the same way, God will surprise you, but that, honestly, it shouldn't surprise you. It just shouldn't. Okay, you guys good so far? So the first one, right? Following Jesus, can it be comfortable? Sometimes. Will it always be? No. Someone say, not always comfortable. Okay, good job. And what was the second one? Not always good job. Not always convenient, not always comfortable. It's not always cool either. Well, that's where I draw the line. Well, that's where some people do. That's where this next guy does, the third one. Well, if everyone's not for it, then I am against it. If everyone else doesn't support it, then neither do I. If everyone else doesn't think it's cool, then I'm not in. What are you talking about? It's not always cool. Uh, how many of you guys ever have asked someone, like, do I look okay? Is this, is this right? I do that all the time. I can't pick my clothes very well, so I ask my wife every day, like, is this is this okay? Usually it's like, no, change the shoes or change the shirt or change something. I saw a guy today walking upstairs, getting ready for church, and he's staring in the window, like, pulling his hair, and it's like, oh, you don't know, I can see you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so funny. You look out the window, and people look at the reflection, and they're like, just, you're like, oh, that's gross, Okay. Like, I always want to slap the window and scare him, but I don't. I don't. Just a little glimpse. Right. Because we care what people think. And to some extent, that's good. You should. Okay? A bride that rolls out of bed and just wears her sweats to her wedding, she's like, oh, I'll just do this. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you like me at all? Like, <laughs> There's a certain level of, of caring that's fine, but then there's a line that you can cross. And when we become obsessed with what people think, what they think is successful, what they think is acceptable, is wrong. We want to fit in or be accepted. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter one, Verse 18 says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God." This is an incredible verse that for you and I that believe in this, not everyone's always going to think that what you believe is wonderful or great or true. But perspective doesn't define truth, okay? There's this weird phrase out there like, oh, what's, what's true for you doesn't have to be true for me. That's not true. All right, it's not true. If you said like, oh, I need oxygen to live. Well, that's nice for you, but that's not true for me. Like, Okay, we're going to duct tape your face and see how long you live. It's true. Gravity is true. That's true for you, but not for me. Okay, drop a rock on your head and see what happens, right? So perspectives are completely irrelevant. Truth is truth, and it's always truth. It doesn't change. It's the neat thing about it. You can hang on to it. And some people, though, won't understand their perspective is off. The message of the cross will be foolishness to those who are perishing. Imagine someone drowning, and let's be honest, Who's really foolish? If someone's like, you're a Christian, (laughs) ha, 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 you read the Bible, (laughs) what do you do that for? Greatest book ever written, that's why. Why don't you read it? Who's really foolish here? Imagine someone drowning, right? They're legitimately drowning. Help me. You're on a boat, you take the life ring, you throw it out, lands literally in their hand. Like they push away, what's that? That's a life ring. I don't believe it's going to work. Well, it's floating right in front of you. It saved the other three guys that were just next to you. Grab onto it. You're dumb. (laughs) Fine, I'm dumb, but grab onto it. Nope, I ain't doing it. And they die. He can call you a fool and say that you're dumb, but who was really the one with the wrong perspective? The guy drowning. Look, the reality is everyone needs Jesus. Truth doesn't Change. And so regardless of what people do or what they say, don't get all flustered about it. Don't let your feathers get ruffled. Just understand they're just not seeing it right. Pray for them. Be broken. If they won't receive the raft, throw them a life vest. If they won't receive a life vest, try and reach out with a rope or something. Give them the gospel in different ways. Take if they won't come to church, take them to broom hockey or something. Bring them to camp. I don't know. Get creative, but get them the gospel. But for you and I, right, it won't always be comfortable, it won't always be convenient, and it won't always be cool. Some people, will, they won't get it. Luke chapter 9, this is the third guy, same issue. Chapter 9, verse 61 and 62. Another, our third friend for the day, also said, Lord, I will follow you, but, hmm, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said, to him, no one having put his hand to the plow when looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is another one, if we don't take a minute to talk through and to think through, can sound kind of harsh on Jesus' society. Like, he's just saying like, I'll follow you. Just let me go back and see who's at home. And in my mind, it's like, he just wants to say bye to his mama. Like, let him go say bye to his mama. And Jesus is like, nope, now or never, big guy. Bus is leaving. Isn't the, wait, yes, Jesus wants the mom to live the rest of her life thinking her kid got you know, stolen. I don't think so. If you read through this and study through this, what's happening is okay, I want to go, I want to move forward, but I also want to go back. The idea of moving forward interests me, but I'm not ready. That there was more affection for what was behind than what was in the future. And so when our affections are so great for the things we have now, he wanted to go back for one more visit with the friends, one more party, one more experience, one more something in his past he had to have. Jesus says, look, if you love your past more than the future I have for you, this just isn't going to work. I want to move forward. I just need to go back. It doesn't work no matter what world you're living in. And it's hard to leave what's familiar, right? It is. It is hard to leave what is familiar. We all love familiarities. Most people sit in the same spot at church every Sunday. They drive the same way to work. You guys go the same way to school. You order the same thing from the restaurant. I mean, it, you can show up at your favorite restaurant. You know what you're going to get. Need a menu? No, thank you. All right, I'll take my two tacos from Jack in the Box for 99 cents, please. There's no question. We love what's familiar. And sometimes... God asks us, look, I'm calling you out of what's familiar. I'm calling you out of what people think is cool and into something that's a little bit new. What do you mean? New. Something you haven't done before. So there's not only unfamiliarity, there's fear. It takes faith to follow the Lord like this kind of stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I have a newfound love for this verse. So look, when I was a child... You spoke as a child, right? And when you guys were kids, you spoke as kids, right? Goo-goo gaga and all that stuff. You drooled on yourself and weird things like that? Of course you did. There's even me. If you saw Ella was running around, my little two and a half-year-old baby girl, like she's amazing, cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And she comes in here, like, I'll be like, oh hey baby, what's up? Oh my gosh, what is that? And you're like, even right now, you're like, that's kind of weird, you know. That's because grown men aren't supposed to talk that way unless it's a baby. If I'm like, oh, hi, how are you today? Oh, you're so cute. That'd be weird. Right, Henry? If I'm, oh, Henry, well, I'm so glad you're here today. How is your family? Like, dude, mom, uh-uh. Like, what do you mean, uh-uh? I mean, uh-uh. Like, no. And in Spanish, no. Like, why? Because as you grow up, some things are supposed to be left behind. One of those things is the way we think. A little kid, does it make sense to a little kid to play tug-of-war over some dumb Barbie? Right? Yeah, of course it does. Or to get into an argument over who gets to ride the bike first. Of course it does. That makes sense. But you don't see two dads out at the park like, that's my bike. No. Why? You think Differently. And so he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I even I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, what changed? His thought patterns changed. He doesn't think like a kid anymore. Someone did something to me. Forgive them. Well, they're, they're a horrible person. Have mercy. Don't hold grudges so long that you can't remember what they're about. Don't be committed to something that you don't even believe in. Don't fight over things that are completely childish and irrelevant. And so when we hang on to the past, instead of moving forward into what God has for our future, we're missing it. Totally missing it. This guy wanted to go back before he moved forward, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like he says this phrase, uh, by the way, real quick, we'll talk about the phrase. What time is it? Oh, Perfect says anyone who puts his hand to the plow looking back is not fit for the kingdom they're just not ready what do you mean first put both hands to the plow okay both hands you (laughs) you can ride a bike with one hand for quite a while it's not going to be as stable you can do a lot of things with one hand you ever been to a rodeo yeah Yeah? you've been to a rodeo look at there's a saying says like grab the bull by the horns you know this phrase it's a good phrase what does it mean man take it head on just do this thing uh, if you ever go somewhere and there's a bull coming at you and you're like, I'm just, I don't think it's really coming. Bad idea, okay? If you're going to challenge it, you don't go up to a cow and try and be like, hmm. try and knock it over, they'll, they'll push, they'll kick. No way. You go to a rodeo, you know what these guys do? They're on the back of a horse, and then within about a half a second, they're flying off their horse on top of this animal. They grab both horns and they just slam it on the ground. It's incredible. They're not like, Can you fall over, Mr. Cow, please? And the Lord says, look it, you don't approach Christianity, faith in Christ, and walking with the Lord, with like, I don't know, just put one toe in the what? Let's go. Let's go. I'm not calling you to be part of a team that doesn't care. I'm calling you to follow a Savior who's going to die in your place, then break free from the chains and bondage of sin and death to give you new life. It's a serious thing. It's a very real thing. You've heard the phrase all or nothing. We're all familiar with that one. All in or you're not in. It's kind of how it works. It's an incredible call. Now there's grace in the growing process. Anyone that comes to the Lord, even if they're 50, 60, 70 years old, they're considered an infant in Christ. There's a learning curve. God will have mercy upon your growth and understanding of the Bible and all that stuff. You'll mess up along the way and that's fine. But you'll strive not to you'll pursue what makes his heart happy and not just your own. Putting your hand to the plow. Imagine a baseball player that is just in love with his past, in love with everybody else. Gets in the box, gets the bat, hanging on with both hands because didn't the Bible say puts his hands to the plows looking back is not fit for the kingdom? So you can't look at, you're not going to go with one hand, you're not going to go no-handed, but you're also not going to look back. What do you mean? Grab on, two hands, but you're talking to your mom the whole time. Hey, mom, what's for dinner? Ball goes flying by, strike. Like, okay. Hey, can you call dad? You don't look the other way. You look into what's coming, not away from it. Never do you look away from what's coming. You move towards it. How do you guys plan on driving in the next couple of years? You're like, yep, I'm going to get me a car. I'm going to teach those guys how to drive. and It's going to be awesome. Okay, cool. Well, we're all going to drive someday, hopefully. Let me give you a a hint here. You put two hands on the steering wheel. And you can glance at the rearview mirror, but you don't only look at it. Imagine someone who tries to drive staring at the rearview mirror only. They're not going to make it very far, okay? It's there for a reason, and it's important. Even in life, guys, look back at what God's done. Look back at his faithfulness. Look back, occasionally glimpse that where you've come from and who he is. But for the most part, look through the window. God's moving, and we're moving, and we're supposed to be aware of where we're going, that when the road turns, we turn. So look, it won't always be comfortable or convenient or cool, but it will always be right to follow Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. Which means in the moment where we want to do, but we know ugh, we know that God would have it do us differently. We want to have some smart, sarcastic comeback when someone else threw one at us first, but you know, like, man, I just don't know if the Lord would do that. Then you don't. It's what pleases His heart, not your heart. And that's your aim. And if that's your aim, you don't got to worry about what not to do. You just worry about following Him. You guys ever shot a bow and arrow, done archery or anything, BB guns, airsoft, something, right? Look, you don't aim at everything. Could you imagine if you had to aim at everything you didn't want to hit before you had to aim at the target? Like, okay, don't hit the tree or the clouds or my sister or my mom. Like you, 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 Look, at who cares what you don't have to hit? Just aim for the target. In your faith, who cares what's around you? Aim for the target. You read the New Testament, you find out all of these Christians were living in pagan places where there were real idols in real temples and real sacrifices that were full of demonic influences taking place and they kept their eye on the target. And they were able to do it no matter what was going on around them. It's awesome. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. They were being threatened. They were being beaten. They were being punished. And they were told, look it, you don't do this anymore. You don't tell people about Jesus. I said, look it, we cannot but speak to things which you've heard and seen or seen and heard. We just can't. We're not looking back. And Jesus says, look, I want you to come. I'm not saying don't come. I'm just saying you won't make it. If you're not willing to put your hand to the plow and keep looking forward, it's going to be very hard for you. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. So what's the deal here? Well, the deal is, where are you at with Jesus? The deal is, is it something that just your family does on the weekends? Is it something you've grown up with a familiarity? Remember, there's a scribe who early on, the first guy we met, he was very, very comfortable he knew the rules, but not the reality, that it wouldn't always be comfortable. Then we meet, right, the second guy. It just wasn't convenient timing for him. He had other things he needed to take care of first. Maybe it wasn't cool. You wanted to go back and get other people's opinions. Forget their opinion for a minute. What's your opinion? You're gonna follow Jesus or not? And here's the wonderful thing about it all. Are we called to carry a cross? Oh, absolutely. The reality is, look, Jesus died upon his cross. You and I don't have to die on a cross. We're just called to carry ours. It'll be uncomfortable at times. It'll be inconvenient. It won't be cool. But it'll be right. And no matter what's going on, a crazy storm inside or out of the boat, God will see you through all the way to the end. So last verse, 2 Corinthians Chapter 4 says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Think about this. Do you guys ever go get your knees scraped up? You fall off a skateboard or down some stairs. It's like, oh, I'm gonna die. Like, well, like five days later, you're like, how'd that happen? I don't even know. You guys ever go through hard seasons of life where, man, life's just miserable. I hate my life. This is dumb. I went through a whole year. Like, I remember that stuff. And then this far beyond, it's like, man, that bite went so quick. Every day seems so long, but the season went by so quick. God's Got you. Is there affliction? Oh, yeah, there's affliction in life. But it's for a moment. And those are the things, it says, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Like, it's just for a moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So for you and I, the question comes down to, is there anything that we're hanging on to, that we wouldn't let go of? Is there anything happening that we're not willing to change or to give up on? Is there anyone influencing our walk with the Lord in a negative way? I hope not. That would make it our aim to be well-pleasing to Him, 100%. But today the decision is 100% yours. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reminder, the reality today that we're not part of something that doesn't matter. This isn't a game that'll be left on the field. This isn't a memory that'll soon be forgotten. Lord, deciding what we'll do with the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ is everything and forever will be. And God, if we've taken things just a little too lightly or we've allowed comfort or convenience or what's cool to be a priority in our life. Father, forgive us, please. And Help us walk after you wholeheartedly.